Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Cy Brown. Thank you so much for joining me today on Life Remixed Radio, where it is my desire to create an environment where we rethink everything we know to live our absolute best life. Today is my best day ever, and I hope today is your best day ever as well. If you get a chance, please follow me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Cy Brown. Wait a minute. I'm getting a text message now just as I go on the air. Um, or twitter.com forward slash life remixed, L-I-F-E-R-E-M-I-X-E-D. Um, and I want you, if you can, check out my blog today. It's uh, cybrown.com, and there's a picture of me with my arms lifted in the air. I had a three-and-a-half-hour conversation with someone today from 8 in the morning to um, 11.30 this morning, and it was really about finding out who we are and growing and learning and walking in our purpose. It was an amazing phone call. So I'll share some of that information with you during the course of the show. But today we're really going to get into lessons from Master Teacher Deepak Chopra. Um, He has so much insight and provides so much insight in areas of our life that I believe all of us can improve from. So I've got a very expansive collection of his work. Um, Last last show I played lessons from Tony Robbins. And you know the show we do things differently every single day, but today I just think it's really important for us to hear a little bit about uh, some of the lessons that Deepak Chopra has taught through the years. The first one we're going to listen to, and they're very short vignettes, um, you know, not more than, you know, maybe 10 minutes a piece or so. Um, But we're going to listen to him share information on a higher state of consciousness. So sit back. If you're at work, listen. Um, Please know this show can be downloaded through iTunes in case you miss it. But um, or in case you can't catch the entire show, but just thank you so much for joining me. It's your girl Cy Brown right here for LifeRemixRadio.com. Unboundedness means the experience of not being bound by concepts, ideas, notions, beliefs. It's also the experience of freedom. And one feels literally, as the expression goes, free as the wind. One feels infinitely flexible in any situation. And that infinite flexibility gives us inner stability that no other experience can overshadow. So no circumstance, no situation, no threat can overshadow that experience of unboundedness. That comes from experiencing pure consciousness. And the only way to really experience pure consciousness is to transcend thought. And therefore, to me, transcendental meditation is one of the most important techniques. What are the qualities of pure consciousness? Several years ago, some scientists got together with Maharshi Mahesh Yogi, who brought transcendental meditation to the West. And some Vedic scientists and some modern scientists got together, and they listed the qualities of pure consciousness, such as 
all possibilities, freedom, unboundedness, self-sufficiency, bliss, self-referral, invincibility, perfect balance, fully awake within itself, simplicity. These are some of the qualities. I've included a whole list of these qualities with the printed material that accompanies this program. One of the things I would suggest is, on a given day, just hold one of those qualities in your awareness. For example, on one given day, you could hold the quality freedom in your awareness. What does that mean, holding it in your awareness? It means precisely that, that you're not trying to analyze the notion of freedom. You're not trying to interpret the notion of freedom. You just have freedom as a word, lively, in your awareness. That's all. And then, because you're being a silent witness to that, that in itself will spontaneously give you insight into the mechanics of freedom. It will spontaneously give you also, slowly over a period of time, the experience of freedom. Holding that in your awareness is all that is necessary. So I would suggest that you look at these qualities of pure consciousness and that on a given day you just have one of those qualities lively in your awareness. Not trying to interpret it, not trying to analyze it, but just having it in your awareness. And then watch how things change in your life. The basic principle is whatever we put our attention on grows stronger in our life. If we want something not to be a life experience, we take our attention away from it. If we want something to become a life experience, then we put our attention to it. In fact, our mind in its essential nature is infinite and unbounded. By infinite, unbounded, I mean omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, everywhere, non-local. What we do is, through the process of attention, we localize it. For example, you're not aware right now that your foot is touching the soles of your shoe. Or you're not aware of the fact that your naked skin is touching your clothes. But I draw your attention to the fact, as soon as you have the attention, it becomes a reality. So the mechanics of manifestation is just simple attention. In that non-local mind, which is infinite, unbounded, unrestrained, everywhere and non-local. You localize it through the mechanics of attention. So if you want to experience something, all you have to do is have it in your awareness and that will spontaneously manifest as your reality. So as you put your attention on these qualities of pure consciousness, which are really the qualities of what structures the infinite diversity of the universe and the mechanics of manifestation of this infinite diversity of manifest forms from pure potentiality, as you put your attention on these qualities, they will spontaneously cause changes in your physiology and manifest as your reality. Whatever we put our attention on grows stronger in our life. For example, when people experience pain, they try to avoid it and they want to escape from it. And the more they try to do that, the more their attention, in fact, is on the idea of pain. And therefore, the idea of pain gets magnified and, of course, then that creates more pain. If you have a headache, 
and you want to get rid of it, put your attention on the sensation. Feel it with all your full awareness. And who's putting the attention? You are. And who are you? Pure consciousness. Pure consciousness is a healing force. So when consciousness puts the attention there, it gets into it, it saturates it, it's the healing force of life. However, if you put your attention on the idea of pain, then that will become more pronounced. So if you have a headache, then just be with the headache. Feel the sensations. Don't analyze. Don't interpret. Don't try to say, oh my God, this pain, this, that, and the other. Just be with it. Put your attention on it. Feel the sensation in your awareness, and you'll see it dissipates. People get attached to the notion rather than to the experience. They mistake the map for the territory. See, the map is not the territory. It's just a map. And we're always identifying with the map. The territory is the experience of it. The map is the label to it. What we have to do is understand once and for all that we are not the thought, but the one who generates the thought. The difference between a positive mind and a negative mind is in fact sometimes quite superficial. If you ask me, is it preferable to have a positive mind, I'd say of course, a positive mind is preferable to a negative mind. But both a positive mind and a negative mind can be a turbulent mind. And sometimes one can switch to the other very fast. For example, courage can become fear in the twinkling of an eye. Love can transform itself into jealousy, also in the twinkling of an eye. These are turbulent minds. Much more important than a positive mind is a silent mind. When you experience silence inside, then you become a non-evaluative, non-judgmental, non-analytic, non-interpretive witness of the whole process. And in that silent witnessing is spontaneously the trigger for the appropriate transformation. So more important than a positive mind is to have that inner wakefulness that is the silent mind. In the purity of silence, spontaneously inner energies wake up and bring about transformations. We cannot manipulate our thinking. In fact, to manipulate our thinking is what the Ayurvedic tradition calls mood-making. I had a patient the other day, for example, with a very, very severe disease. And I've never seen her even once in a mood which was not so-called positive. She was exasperatingly positive. And finally, I had to ask her, how could she do that? And she broke down. She said she was petrified of having a negative thought. Now, isn't being petrified of having a negative thought a negative thought in itself? Of course it is. So you can't manipulate your thinking. To manipulate your thinking is an artificial thing. One has to be spontaneous, and in the spontaneity is joyfulness. One has to learn, really, how to go beyond both positive mind and negative mind, to become a silent, non-judgmental, non-evaluative, non-interpretive mind, the witness, in other words.
if one becomes non-interpretive, non-judgmental, non-evaluative about situations, circumstances, and one's own self, actually non-judgmental is the key word here, then spontaneously the tendencies that emerge from there are evolutionary. What is a negative mind? It's an interpretation. What's a positive mind? It's also an interpretation. There's a saying, the river of life runs between the banks of pleasure and pain, and one bumps into both. Thank you so much for listening to that particular module um, of the lesson, today's lesson from Master Teacher Deepak Chopra. Uh, the lesson that we just heard was really uh, where he's sharing with us about information about a higher state of consciousness. Next, we're going to move into a seven-minute lesson from Mr. Deepak Chopra on letting go. Thank you so much to the guests that are listening. Hello, Point of View show. Thank you for tuning into Life Remix Radio. And I do see that we have some people who have called in who are listening to the show via their um, cell phone or telephone. If you'd like to call in from your phone and you don't have access to a computer and you want to just listen to the show, dial 347-633-9113. Now we're moving into the next lesson from Mr. Deepak Chopra called Letting Go. Letting Go. In practical terms, surrender means letting go. When you let go from this insistent grip on your personal version of reality, new forms of reality can enter. Letting go is a process. You have to know when to apply it, what to let go of, and how to let go. Your ego is going to try to prevent you, since it believes that you have to hold on in order to survive. Your only ally is spirit, which sees reality as a whole and has no need to create realities based on limitation. Releasing yourself into spirit is the purpose of the following exercises. The steps are these. Awareness begins to substitute for reactions. A reaction is automatic. It draws upon fixed beliefs, fears and expectations. Overcoming this requires an act of awareness, questioning whether you need to hold on to the fear. Reactions result in a closed set of options. Awareness results in an open set of options. Every time you are tempted to react in the same old way, Ask if you want to be a prisoner of the past or a pioneer of the future. Strong signals will tell you when letting go is appropriate. Knowing when to let go is obvious once you have awareness. The crucial times to let go are when you feel the strongest urge not to. We all hold on tightest when our fear, anger, pride and distrust take over. Yet these forces have no spiritual validity. At the times when you were most afraid, angry, stubborn or mistrustful, your ego is forcing you to react, blinding you to new possibilities. You feel you can't cope anymore. You feel boxed in. You feel you won't survive. These feelings give rise to the rigid, contracted state of resistance, disallowing the reality that good things can happen at any time. Spirit has a good outcome for any situation if you can open yourself to it. A key word to holding on is always. 
As soon as your mind tells you that something always happens, you are in the grip of a false belief. Always is never true. At any moment, you have the choice to break out of what is really trapping you, your automatic reactions dredged up from the past. If the right time to let go is when you don't want to, the thing to let go of is the thing you feel you must hold on to. Fear, anger, stubbornness and distrust portray themselves as your rescuers. It is helpful to challenge familiar reactions by stating that you no longer believe in them. Instead of saying, I have to have my way, say, I don't know everything. I can accept an outcome I don't see right now. Instead of saying, I can't stand this, say, I've survived things like this before. The general formula is that whenever you react with X has to be this way or else, you bring awareness in and say, X doesn't have to be any way except what it is. Since letting go is a deeply personal choice, you're going to have to be your own teacher. You may feel comfortable with a lot more physical release than I do. Finding the right personal balance is important. Letting go physically is a matter of stress release. Under stress, your body tenses and contracts. Hormonal balances switch to the hypervigilant state of fight or flight. Stress is ongoing. Therefore, reducing stress also needs to be ongoing. In the short run, letting go of stress involves relaxing. Take deep, measured breaths, letting the breath go free on the exhale. Your body doesn't like holding on to stress. It does so essentially at the urging of the mind. Under really extreme stress, walk away from the situation. Offer reassurance that you will be back and give yourself permission to do what you need to do for your own well-being. When you find yourself in a situation in which you are certain of disaster, loss, hurt or any other negative outcome, use the following formula. This is just an experience. I am here on earth to have experiences. Nothing is wrong. My fears may come true, but the outcome will not destroy me. It may even be good. There is something here for me, if I have the awareness to find it. I am loved. Therefore, I am safe. These are new beliefs that, when sincerely held, call in spirit to aid you. The situations that your ego resists with all its might are precisely the ones that should be embraced because anything that dismantles your limiting mental constructs is beneficial. There is a law in the unconscious that whatever you avoid will come back, and the more you avoid it, the stronger its return. The refusal to face this fact creates much unnecessary misery. Instead of resisting any emotion, the best way to dispel it is to enter it fully, embrace it, and see through your resistance. Painful emotions return because they are part of you. You created them before pushing them away. The cause of every emotion is in here, which means that inner work can heal it. When you find yourself dominated by a negative emotion, try to release it physically at first. Use the following formulas to reframe your emotion as they apply. 
Instead of telling yourself that your emotion is bad, ask what it has to tell you. Every emotion exists to help you. Instead of pushing an emotion away, have a closer look. Very often you will find that emotions are layered. Anger masks fear. Fear masks hurt. Getting past an emotion means getting through its layers to the root. If you recognize that certain situations always bring the same reaction, ask what you need to learn in order for that reaction to change. Emotions come and go. Realize that each one has a rhythm and allow yourself to be in that rhythm. The best way not to drown is to ride the wave. As you begin to master the art of letting go, your reality will change. It has no choice. In the process of letting go, you will lose many things from the past, but you will find yourself. It will be a permanent self rooted in awareness and creativity. Once you have captured this, you have captured the world. That was definitely a, um, some great information, a short lesson from Mr. Deepak Chopra on letting go. A lot of times we hold things in and we don't let them go, and it, can, it really can, I believe personally, it can cause poison in our body just to harbor, harbor resentment and harbor um, feelings that are not healthy to us. In our next lesson, which I'll play in a moment, it's really talking about the mind and body connection. So uh, thank you for joining me today on Life Remix Radio. As we rethink everything we know to live our best life, we're going to hear another wonderful lesson from Mr. Deepak Chakra. And whether you're a Christian, an atheist, a Buddha, whatever, whatever um, place you find yourself in from a religious vantage point, just allow your mind to be open and expanded because a lot of the information that he shares with us is really just about our mind and body connection, and I think it can be very helpful as we move along um, in life, down the journeys of our life. So we already heard uh, a lesson from Mr. Chopra on a higher state of consciousness. We just heard letting go, and our next lesson is called Magical Mind and Body. Thank you so much for listening to Life Remix Radio, and today is Great Beginnings, where we celebrate and listen and learn from great minds and great architects uh, from coaching and mind-body just to really help us live our best life. Again, the next piece that we're going to listen to from Mr. Chopra is about our mind-body connection. Some of the scientific discoveries of our time are in fact showing that our bodies and the cells of our bodies contain within them holographically all the information that's present in the whole universe. By tapping into your body, you could literally eavesdrop on the universe. Intuition is heightened awareness that comes with familiarity of the information fields in your own body. And this information is encoded or recorded holographically in the cells of our bodies. What's a hologram? A hologram is a three-dimensional projection of a certain object. It's a sculpture made out of light. And if you've been to Disney World or even a science museum, you'll see a lot of these. You'll see entertainers come and dance, and you'll think they're there, but in fact, they're just sculptures of light. That's what they are, three-dimensional sculptures of light. 
And when you do, when you make a hologram, what you do is you take a laser beam, you put it through a machine called a beam splitter, split it into two. One is called the object beam, the other is called the reference beam. The object beam goes at the object, it scatters, the reference beam bounces off a mirror, interferes with the object beam, creates what's called an interference pattern. You record that interference pattern over a photographic plate. If you look at that, all it looks like is a bunch of squiggles. But now the interesting part begins. You can take a hologram and break it into billions of bits or pieces. And then you can take the smallest part of it, put a laser beam through it, and you'll get the full holographic three-dimensional image. In other words, every part of the hologram contains the whole. That's why it's called a hologram. So in each part is all the information. In fact, you cannot destroy a hologram. It's indestructible, it's immortal. You just can't get rid of it. The only thing is that the smaller you get, the image becomes a little fuzzier and fuzzier and fuzzier. But it's there. Similarly, our bodies are holograms of the universe, which means everything that can possibly be known is already recorded in our bodies. The whole memory of the whole universe and its mechanics of manifestation is recorded in our cells, in our cellular structure, and in each one of them. Only the memory is faint. There's an old Indian saying, all this struggling to learn when all we have to do is remember. And what do we have to remember? We have to remember our true nature. And how do we remember? Again, by becoming silent witnesses, by tapping into the inner intelligence of our body, which is the ultimate and supreme genius. It mirrors the wisdom of the universe. To get in touch with that deeper reality is to begin to get the real experience of who you really are. If you were to ask me what was the most important experience of my life, I would say it is the experiencing of transcending every day, twice a day. I've practiced meditation for 10 years. I experience the state of being that is the ground state of my mind, of my body, and of my life. And therefore, for me, that is the most important thing a person can do to evolve to a higher state of consciousness. I'd like to address one of the most crucial aspects of life, and that is the notion of bondage and the notion of freedom, what it means to be in bondage, what it means to be free. Because the goal of life, ultimately, is to experience freedom. In order to understand what freedom is, we first have to understand what bondage is. Bondage is being stuck in this or that possibility having lost the ability to choose from an infinite range of responses. Again, the key element of this is conditioned response. What is the bondage to? The bondage is always to one's own boundaries, one's own premature cognitive commitments. In order to get rid of bondage, one has to go beyond boundaries and experience the boundless. Boundaries are simply concepts, ideas, 
notions, beliefs that we have committed ourselves to. The prison that we have constructed inadvertently around ourselves. Any prison that we experience is really the prison of our own conditioning. So to experience freedom, we have to break down conditioned responses. Freedom essentially comes from the experiential knowledge of one's real nature. Our real nature is that we are the joyful, silent witness, the non-attached consciousness that animates all of manifestation. To have the experience of that silent witness is to just be, just be, and then one is free. When one is free, one has the ability to enjoy the choices that one makes in every successive moment of the present. It is the ability to spontaneously put our attention on those choices that bring joy to us and also joy to others. And the key ingredient, therefore, is once again silent witnessing. What people call reality is just a notion, an idea, a concept, a desire in us. But who is that us? That us is pure consciousness, pure potentiality. It's the field that generates the notions, the ideas that become the body and also the experience of the world. There's nothing that exists that was not a notion first. There's nothing that exists that was not an idea or a concept first. In other words, that wasn't some form of desire first. Time is a notion, space is a notion, wealth is a notion, poverty is a notion, war is a notion, inflation is a notion, happiness is a notion. Anything that you can think of is a notion. But the source of the thought, the thinker behind the thought, the witness behind the thought, it's not a notion. It is being, pure being, pure potentiality. Being is not a concept because being is not conceptualizable. It's beyond all concepts. Being has no beginning in time, no ending in time, no edges in space. We are really being human instead of human beings. We have found that mode of expression to be human. But essentially, we are just pure being. Even though this may seem like a very abstract notion, it isn't. It's that source of thought from where fulfillment of desire also comes. But fulfillment of desire requires that we first be, and then simply having the notion will create the reality. This is the mechanics of creation. When one is free, one spontaneously develops the ability to fulfill one's desires. In order to actually see the mechanics of the fulfillment of a desire, it is essential for us to understand our true nature. Our essential nature is that we are pure potentiality, pure consciousness, pure being. As pure potentiality, we are timeless, spaceless, uncaused, and non-local. We are the source of space, time, and locality. 
Our actions are in the sphere of space-time and causation, but we are beyond space-time and cause. Finally, freedom comes from the understanding that life is the meaningful coexistence of all opposite values. All experience in life is by contrast. There is pleasure because there is pain. There is desire and there is fear. There is love and there is the opposite of love. There is joy, there is sorrow, there is heart, there is gold, there is wealth, poverty. Unless one knows both, one is meaningless and non-experienceable. There's a saying in India, a blind man from birth cannot know what darkness is because he has never experienced light. When a person quietly reconciles himself to all the contradictions that life offers and can comfortably ride out or flow between the banks of pleasure and pain, experiencing them both, but getting stuck in neither, then he has achieved freedom. Freedom, therefore, implies acceptance, letting come what comes and letting go what goes. In this state of freedom, we step into the great unknown. What people call fear of the unknown really is a mirage. What they should really be afraid of is the known. Because what is the known? The known is the rigid patterns of past conditioning. When you are in the known, you have imprisoned yourself, inadvertently of course, in the prison walls of your own conditioning. So freedom implies letting go of the known and to have the knowledge and the confidence to step into the great unknown in every second of our existence. Because the unknown is the field of all possibilities in every successive moment of the present. The known is just rigid patterns of past conditioning, the prison we have inadvertently erected around ourselves. We need to free ourselves from this known and leap into the unknown where fresh choices are available in every second of our existence. In this state of freedom, we impart our own reality to every event in our life because we have broken the shackles of our own bondage, the prison we had inadvertently built around ourselves. We are no longer mired in the tyranny of an imagined past or the fear of an anticipated future. In this state of freedom, we experience truth, beauty, goodness, and harmony. A wise sage was once asked, what is the use of truth? What is the use of goodness, beauty, and harmony? And he replied, they are their own goal. They manifest spontaneously and effortlessly when things are left to themselves, are not interfered with, not shunned, or wanted, or conceptualized, but just experienced in full awareness. In the light of full awareness, a new world opens. This is a world of pure joy, of pure bliss. It is unbounded. It is infinite, it is eternal. And this should be our world. And this should be my world. And this should be your world if you want it. And in this world, 
nothing ever goes wrong. In freedom comes the experiential knowledge of one's own immortality. We are not just the body, we are not just the mind, we are the source of both, but we are not touched by this world of change because our essence is pure consciousness itself. And in this state of freedom, we even lose the fear of death because Mortality is just a spell that we have cast upon ourselves through ideas, through concepts. The reality behind the mask of mortality is a field of unbounded eternity, a field of our own immortality. So that's the expression, all this struggling to learn when all we have to do is remember. We have to remember our true nature. Behind the mask of mortality is a field of immortality, of eternity, of infinity. There's a beautiful poem by Tagore which expresses this extremely well. He says, I was not aware of the moment when I first crossed the threshold of this life. What was that power that made me open into this vast mystery like a bud in the forest at midnight? And yet, when in the morning I looked upon the light, I felt in a moment that I was no stranger in this world, that the inscrutable without name and form had taken me in its arms in the form of my own mother. Even so, in the end, the same unknown will appear as ever known to me. And because I love this life, I know I can never fear death. The child cries out when from the right breast the mother takes it away in the very next moment to find in the left one its consolation. Unboundedness means the experience of not being bound by concepts, ideas, notions, beliefs. It's also the experience of freedom. And one feels literally, as the expression goes, free as the wind. One feels infinitely flexible in any situation. And that infinite flexibility gives us inner stability that no other experience can overshadow. So no circumstance, no situation, no threat can overshadow that experience of unboundedness. That comes from experiencing pure consciousness. And the only way to really experience pure consciousness is to transcend thought. And therefore, to me, transcendental meditation is one of the most important techniques. What are the qualities of pure consciousness? Several years ago, some scientists got together with Maharshi Mahesh Yogi, who brought transcendental meditation to the West, 
and some Vedic scientists and some modern scientists got together and they listed the qualities of pure consciousness such as all possibilities, freedom, unboundedness, self-sufficiency, bliss, self-referral, invincibility, perfect balance, fully awake within itself, simplicity. These are some of the qualities. I've included the whole list of these qualities with the printed material that accompanies this program. One of the things I would suggest is, on a given day, just hold one of those qualities in your awareness. For example, on one given day, you could hold the quality freedom in your awareness. What does that mean, holding it in your awareness? It means precisely that, that you're not trying to analyze the notion of freedom. You're not trying to interpret the notion of freedom. You just have freedom as a word, lively, in your awareness. That's all. And then, because you're being a silent witness to that, that in itself will spontaneously give you insight into the mechanics of freedom. It will spontaneously give you also, slowly over a period of time, the experience of freedom. Holding that in your awareness is all that is necessary. So I would suggest that you look at these qualities of pure consciousness and that on a given day, you just have one of those qualities lively in your awareness, not trying to interpret it, not trying to analyze it, but just having it in your awareness and then watch how things change in your life. The basic principle is whatever we put our attention on grows stronger in our life. If we want something not to be a life experience, we take our attention away from it. If we want something to become a life experience, then we put our attention to it. In fact, our mind in its essential nature is infinite and unbounded. By infinite, unbounded, I mean omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, everywhere, non-local. What we do is, through the process of attention, we localize it. For example, you're not aware right now that your foot is touching the soles of your shoe or you're not aware of the fact that your naked skin is touching your clothes. But I draw your attention to the fact, as soon as you have the attention, it becomes a reality. So the mechanics of manifestation is just simple attention. In that non-local mind, which is infinite, unbounded, unrestrained, everywhere and non-local. You localize it through the mechanics of attention. So if you want to experience something, all you have to do is, have it in your awareness and that will spontaneously manifest as your reality. So as you put your attention on these qualities of pure consciousness, which are really the qualities of what structures the infinite diversity of the universe and the mechanics of manifestation of this infinite diversity of manifest forms from pure potentiality, as you put your attention on these qualities, they will spontaneously cause changes in your physiology and manifest as your reality. Whatever we put our attention on grows stronger in our life. For example, when people experience pain, they try to avoid it and they want to escape from it. And the more they try to do that, 
the more their attention, in fact, is on the idea of pain. And therefore, the idea of pain gets magnified, and of course, then that creates more pain. If you have a headache and you want to get rid of it, put your attention on the sensation. Feel it with all your full awareness. And who's putting the attention? You are. And who are you? Pure consciousness. Pure consciousness is a healing force. So when consciousness puts the attention there, it gets into it, it saturates it, it's the healing force of life. However, if you put your attention on the idea of pain, then that will become more pronounced. So if you have a headache, then just be with the headache. Feel the sensations. Don't analyze. Don't interpret. Don't try to say, oh my God, this pain, this, that, and the other. Just be with it. Put your attention on it. Feel the sensation in your awareness, and you'll see it dissipates. People get attached to the notion rather than to the experience. They mistake the map for the territory. See, the map is not the territory. It's just a map. And we're always identifying with the map. The territory is the experience of it. The map is the label to it. What we have to do is understand once and for all that we are not the thought, but the one who generates the thought. The difference between a positive mind and a negative mind is in fact sometimes quite superficial. If you ask me, is it preferable to have a positive mind, I'd say of course, a positive mind is preferable to a negative mind. But both a positive mind and a negative mind can be a turbulent mind. And sometimes one can switch to the other very fast. For example, courage can become fear in the twinkling of an eye. Love can transform itself into jealousy, also in the twinkling of an eye. These are turbulent minds. Much more important than a positive mind is a silent mind. When you experience silence inside, then you become a non-evaluative, non-judgmental, non-analytic, non-interpretive witness of the whole process. And in that silent witnessing is spontaneously the trigger for the appropriate transformation. So more important than a positive mind is to have that inner wakefulness that is the silent mind. In the purity of silence, spontaneously inner energies wake up and bring about transformations. We cannot manipulate our thinking. In fact, to manipulate our thinking is what the Ayurvedic tradition calls mood-making. I had a patient the other day, for example, with a very, very severe disease. And I've never seen her even once in a mood which was not so-called positive. She was exasperatingly positive. And finally, I had to ask her, how could she do that? And she broke down. She said she was petrified of having a negative thought. Now, isn't being petrified of having a negative thought a negative thought in itself? Of course it is. So you can't manipulate your thinking. To manipulate your thinking is an artificial thing. One has to be spontaneous, and in the spontaneity is joyfulness.
one has to learn really how to go beyond both positive mind and negative mind to become a silent non-judgmental non-evaluative non-interpretive mind the witness in other words if one becomes non-interpretive non-judgmental non-evaluative about situations circumstances and one's own self actually non-judgmental is the key word here then spontaneously the tendencies that emerge from there are evolutionary what is a negative mind it's an interpretation what's a positive mind it's also an interpretation there's a saying the river of life runs between the banks of pleasure and pain and one bumps into both that's not the problem the problem occurs when you get stuck at the banks either the positive one or the negative one just flow with the tide just go and experience silence solitude and then spontaneously the tendencies that emerge are evolutionary because in the experience of silence and solitude is in fact your connection with everything else solitude is a connectedness with everything loneliness is an alienation from everything it's much more important to have that experience of inner peace than to have a positive attitude the real nature of a person is being which is not a thought you know stephen hawking when he wrote his book described the nature of the universe in the introduction Carl Sagan quotes him as saying that we live in a universe that has no beginning in time, no ending in time, no edges in space, and nothing for a creator to do. Now try and imagine that, and you'll find it's non-conceptualizable. Yet it's the current theory for the most successful technology of our age, a universe with no beginning in time. you say well i can't imagine something that never began because beginning is an idea it's a notion the moment you say there was something okay this was the beginning then obviously the immediate question is what was there before the beginning so it's a dilemma you can't settle this way or that way you say there's an ending that's also a dilemma because the obvious question is what's there after the ending or you say there are outer edges to space well that's another dilemma what's there after the edge so what it turns out to be is that beginnings endings and boundaries or edges are just ideas an idea a concept what it does is it takes that field of infinity unboundedness being and converts it into a limited reality but our essential nature is that we are that being so in fact we are not confined to our ground state as that being we are not confined to our skin our mind is not even confined or localized to our skin it's infinite it's unbounded and that's the nature of being what does being do in order to manifest as matter it has an idea it has a notion and then that immediately localizes the field of all possibilities into this or that reality so you read in the scriptures and first there was the word and the word was made into flesh and the word was with god 
etc. Exact mechanics of manifestation. What's the word? The word is an idea. It's a notion. And that notion is the mechanics, spontaneously, of manifestation of something that is really a concept. That's all it is. The reality is that when we go beyond thought, then we can be. And when we are being, then we are not thinking. And then from that level of awareness, we just put our attention in the body as witnesses. Not thinking this or that notion, just being aware. Just be aware of all the sensations in your body. And you'll get a lot of knowledge of the body. Just by being aware of the sensations. You're not analyzing them, nothing. You're just aware of what's happening. And you get a lot of knowledge because, again, that inner intelligence is the ultimate and supreme genius. It mirrors the wisdom of the universe. The quantum mechanical body and the quantum mechanical mind is a whirling dance of energy. It's made up of particles moving at lightning speed around huge empty spaces. And these spaces are as void as the solar system itself. These particles constantly coming into creation, rebounding, colliding, disappearing into the void, are movements of emptiness itself. They're not material entities, but probability fields of information and intelligence. This void is the fullness of non-material consciousness. The waves are impulses of intelligence, and the particles merely the mirage of frozen matter in a moment of attention. When we get rid of the superstition of materialism, we will see our body as it really is, a field of infinite transformations, a field of unconditional life force. The most outstanding characteristic of this non-material body is its aliveness. It is the life force of the universe interacting with itself and manifesting as the exquisite dance of creation, maintenance and dissolution. The three forces that structure all of matter, including our bodies. The life force may seem to express itself through infinite transformations into this or that form, into this or that phenomena, now appearing, now disappearing. However, the life force itself is eternal, it's unchanging, it's all-pervading, and we are that force. To understand the magical nature of the mind is to acquire awesome power. It is to understand that at every moment of our life, we have the power to accomplish anything we want. In the vast ocean of universal mind, infinite power is contained and it is ours on demand. Most of it we may never need to use but it is ours all the same. The true goal of life is to know yourself as the field of infinite possibilities. Inside every person is a God in embryo and it has only one desire. It wants to be born.
Thank you so much for listening today to Life Remix Radio. We're at the end of the show, but I just want to thank the caller from area code 517 who listened to the entire show through the phone. Thank you so much, as well as everyone in the chat room. Really quickly, High Road, um, my husband's son, Dave, put in the chat room, tell son to get the boys to the way to get the boys to come is to attract them with something to do like playing ball, maybe taking them paintballing or a trip to the city or the train to Statue of Liberty. I'll let him know, everybody. But, um, yeah, my husband counsels young boys every Monday after school. This is his day off. So um, he's in the next room, and I'll let him know. Please join me tomorrow. We're talking politics for the full show. We're going to talk about the G8 summit um, and what's going on with this economy. You know we talk politics every Tuesday. Please remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you so much to everybody in the chat room for listening to the show, um, to liferemixradio.com. And I'll see you tomorrow at 12 noon where we're talking politics for the full hour. Real quick, High Road, Hip Hop and Chess, and Kung Fu Flicks, I'll let them know right now. I think actually Jersey City, New Jersey, actually has a Hip Hop and Chess program for young boys, so maybe we can connect with those people. Thanks a lot for the updates. You all have my email and my phone number. Hit me up anytime. Love you guys. Peace.